Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks, and today I'm joined by Raphael Giacobin and Francesco Amesbury. Thanks for joining me, guys. And of course, there's only one place to start, and that's with the Milan derby, which we had this weekend. Uh, Inter producing a dominant win, 3-0, um, really continuing their excellent form from recent times. I'm going to start with you, Raphael. Was it a fair result in the end? Did you did you think was did the result reflect how the match went, um, or or were Milan perhaps a little hard done by given they started the second half pretty well? I think I think the result did reflect some sort of a sort of dominance from Inter. I think Milan did start the second half quite well, but then you know apart from that little spell, they didn't really threaten much uh, much else. I think. When you look at the game as a whole, Inter dominated pretty much in every department, whether that's attack and defence. Um, I think this is this is an interesting performance from Inter in general because, contrary to their other wins, which have been impressive as well, in this game we saw you know all eleven players put a shift in and rarely put a foot wrong. We've seen we saw players who haven't been who've been quite underwhelming this season actually put in a very good performance like Sami Handanovic for example we saw there are a lot of there are a lot of comments throughout the season about him you know losing his edge a bit but he came out he came out with a good performance um Perisic as well he seems to have sort of come back from the dead after after an initial sort of being being well it, young was favored over him at the start of the season and really just across the pitch, I think, you know, obviously you've got Lukaku to getting the headlines. He was he was sensational and he, he outclassed Romagnoli in every duel they had. And uh, obviously Lautaro as well, Barella was very impressive too. So it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, in on sort of individual duels, they outclassed them, but also in, in, in a tactical sense. I think Milan won that Milan didn't necessarily play badly. I think it's just that their their two one Pioli's tactics are too one dimensional. And maybe maybe being found out is a bit is a bit stronger word, but I think recently they have been sort of we've been seeing the limitations of that tactic. You know, it it doesn't mean the players are performing badly, but it's just you know, there is a bit of there is a bit of a, you know, being a, sort of an aspect of being worked out a bit. Yeah, it does seem of, of, that was their fourth defeat of 2021 for Milan. Uh, so they do seem to have fallen off the pace a little bit. Uh, with that win, Inter have moved four points clear at the top of the league. Um, just to let you guys know, we're recording on Monday evening. So Juventus play in a couple of hours time against Crotone. But as things stand, Inter are starting to build a bit of a gap. Francesco, do you think that they can be caught or do you expect them to now push clear in the league? Um, and, and if they are to be caught, who are the sides that's going to do it? Is, is it only Juventus that can stop them now? I um, I think that they are the heavy favourites now, certainly the favourites. They, they look good and they have this lead. Uh, but I do think uh, there's still a lot to play for. Um, and I think their biggest challengers are still going to be Juventus. I think the team that, that finishes ahead of Juventus this year is probably going to win the league. Uh, 
Um, I think you've they've they've had a couple of different results recently, but um, generally over the last kind of three months, they have looked good, and I still think there's more to come from them. Um, and whilst the league, uh, excuse me, whilst the lead looks very healthy at the moment uh, in terms of the lead over Uber for, for Inter, which is uh, significant right now, they do, Juve still have these two games in hand. You'd expect them to beat Crotone tonight. I know that the game against Napoli is, is going to be a tough one when they when they play that, but Napoli are not doing so at the moment. So realistically, I think Juve could win both of those. And then all of a sudden, it's only a five-point gap. And there are still, because there are so many teams doing well in Serie A this season, there are so many places where you can drop points. So I don't think it's a done deal at all for Inter. I, I think they're the favourites, but I think there's still a lot of games to play. I think I agree with you there. I think there, there could still be some twists and turns in this title race. Um, but on, on to the Inter's opponents, of course. And Milan, as, as I said earlier, their fourth defeat of 2021. Uh, fifth, if you include, of course, the Coppa Italia loss to Inter. Um, where do they go from here, Raphael? Have they blown their chance completely at the title? I mean, they, they're still actually only four points behind Inter, so... Do you think they can regain momentum? And is there perhaps, um, you know, an argument for Pioli going away from the players that he trusted so much in the first half of the season who haven't been performing and maybe trying uh, some of the players who've been on the bench recently to try and turn this form around for them? I think there is a case of maybe using more, well, using his, um, using the January signings a bit more. I think we saw that Romagnoli was outclassed over the weekend. Maybe there is maybe there's sort of scope to bring in Tamori in a more well, a more more significant role. Um, I think in terms of his most trusted players, I think it I think it is still important not to make too many too many changes and not overhaul the overhaul the whole system because you know you saw at the weekend I would say that. Ibrahimovic, for example, was probably their best player. He was the most involved player, at least. Came, he came closest to scoring. He, he was still a presence, even if he didn't manage to score. So, it, he's going to have to strike a balance. Obviously, I think, you know, they're not they're not far off being. You know, they, I don't think I don't think too many tweaks are needed necessarily for them to to get back to winning ways. I think, you know, the 3-0 scoreline, you know, probably exacerbates it a bit, sort of uh, sort of exaggerates it a bit because, you know, they, they were against an excellent Inter side. On another day, things could have turned out differently. But I would definitely say that they're, in terms of, in terms of being in a title race, they, they've definitely fallen off the pace. They're not, they're not quite, you know, obviously they're not favourites anymore, but they're not, they're not really in that in that top bracket in the same in the same way Inter and Juve are. I'd say I'd I would I would still say that they they'll finish in the top four at the end of the season though, because I think Pioli has Pioli knows that he has to change something, and he he probably does have that tactical nous to sort of strike a, a decent balance between keeping his core players and using these new signings like like Tomori for example. I have seen a lot of criticism for Romagnoli, of course, um, after the weekend. He did struggle, uh, particularly with the first and third goals, um, but dropping the captain would be would be a big statement. So 
don't expect that to necessarily happen, but we'll see what happens with Milan. They certainly need to turn a corner pretty soon if they are going to get back into this title race with Inter. Uh, and then we're now going to move on to the second game. Uh, I think this was the second biggest match of the weekend, without doubt, and that was Atalanta-Napoli. A lot of people looking forward to this, and the second half was a bit of a cracker with six goals in it. Atalanta won 4-2. Francesco, do you think Atalanta are now starting to sort of build the momentum that we've seen with them in recent seasons in the second half of the season? Do you expect them to now push through to get the top four? Uh, yeah, I think I think now they are going to finish in the top four. I think um, they're going to, from now to the end of the season, I find it difficult to believe that they're going to pick up fewer points than Roma, than Milan, than Napoli. They, they look great. Um, it seems like the losing um, Gomez has not affected them at all. Uh, Moriel's doing an amazing job. Zapata starts to play well. Ilicic has been playing really well, so they just haven't missed him. And um, I think their form has already for a while now been really good. If if you look at the table uh, of just this year from the, from the start of 2021, they'd actually be second. Only Lazio picked up more points than Atalanta, so they're... Their form has already been really good. I suppose there are some question marks over how they're going to deal with uh, with playing in the Champions League again. Um, you know, they've got a big game coming up this week against Real Madrid, and I think they have a chance to go through. So if if their uh, European run continues, then I suppose that could cause them some problems. But but at the moment, they look really strong, and they do actually seem to have quite a bit of depth in their squad. It's not like they're just playing the same players over and over again. Gasperini's got options to, to switch things around. So I think they're favourites now to get into the Champions League again. Um, and yeah, they look really, really good. Yeah, they, they were exceptional going forwards on the weekend with Zapata and Muriel in particular coming to the fore for them. But for Napoli, it was the second loss in three days. They were, they were beaten, of course, 2-0 by Granada in the Europa League. Um, we thought they'd maybe sort of turn the corner with the win against Juventus, but... That hasn't been the case. Uh, Raphael, they have had a lot of injuries. Of course, Osterman went off um, after uh, going unconscious this weekend. So that was another injury for them this weekend. But do they now need to come away from using that as an excuse and um, really sort of take responsibility for some of these results that are happening? Because they can't seem to find any consistency this season. To be fair, I do think that having your two best centre-backs out is probably a valid excuse to use if, if there was if there was ever, ever a valid excuse. But at the same time, yeah, they do need to they do need to stop hiding uh, hiding behind excuses and you know really just get get stuck in and work out what's wrong. I mean, there's a lot of players in that squad that just haven't been up to the standard this season, or just have been too inconsistent. Too many for too for too many games, you know the likes of the likes of Insigne, for example. But you know, at the same time, there is there has been a lot of you know a lot of sort of a lot of I don't know there are, there have been there have been behind the scenes sort of sort of incidents that have maybe spilled onto the pitch. I feel you know Gattuso's renewal saga hasn't hasn't really hasn't really helped them. And you know when you've got an unhappy manager, obviously that that will affect the players. I mean that will affect the way they play on the pitch. So 
Napoli, Napoli is a complicated one because we saw we saw against Juventus they can they can bring out these really good results against the top teams. But I think the fact is that because of these injuries, because of a lack of a lack of depth, basically the fact that they are playing in the Europa League in midweek and then coming coming back on the well going back three days later to play in, in Syria does mean that their squad is going to be stretched. It doesn't mean they're going to be playing at the at the highest level as they as they could. So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit conflicted because I do think that I do think that Gattuso does have a does have reason to use injuries as an excuse. But at the same time, yeah, there are fundamentally flaws in that team that need to be worked out. And the fact that Gattuso is probably going to leave at the end of the season means that. That potentially the new manager will will probably fix them or find new ways to use to use those players in that squad. Yeah, that was Napoli's eighth defeat in the league this season. No other side in the top half other than Sampdoria have lost more. So definitely concerning times for them. Um, but I want to move on to another side who I think of the top seven, they're probably the ones going under the radar the most, and that's Roma, who are actually third. Uh, but they sort of blew a chance to close the gap this weekend by only drawing nil-nil with Benevento, who played the last 35 minutes with only 10 men. How big a setback do you think this was, Francesco? And why weren't they able to find a breakthrough against a bottom-half club, which they've done so well this season up until Sunday? Yeah, they. I mean, Benevento have had a good season. I think they're a they're a tough. It's tough to go to Benevento and play and win. Um, so it's not the worst result in the world. But when you put it in the context of the fact that they played for over half an hour, I think with against ten players, it is a disappointing result. Especially considering that they've got Milan coming up next week, and they would have had a chance in that game to go second. Um, but also, I think probably more concerning for Roma is the fact that everyone else around them, certainly just below them, is is starting to play really well. Lazio, Atalanta, Juve, and um, their place in the top four is not, you know, it does not look that's that secure, even though they're third at the moment and they've had a great season so far. And one of the things that that's kept them up there so far, like you've said, is the fact that they've done so well against the smaller sides, the mid-table sides and the lower sides. They've basically beaten everyone who's below them and they've not picked up any points, more or less, against the teams above them and against the other teams in the top six or seven. So, you know, they that is something that they need to keep doing if they want to qualify the Champions League. I I think it is a, the fact that they played against them players for such a significant amount of time. They didn't really create that much. I can remember kind of two shots, two, two efforts on goal by Pellegrini, and that's about it. So it is it's disappointing, I'd say. Yeah, certainly seems like a missed opportunity for them. But, Rafael, I want to come to you uh, briefly about Benevento. Um, we saw this weekend, and, and we'll touch on it later, wins for Torino, a win for Torino. Palmer looked better, although they only got a draw in the end. Do you think that this kind of result is, is still an important one for Benevento, just to make sure that they maintain that gap between them and the bottom three? Yeah, definitely, especially after what seems to have been a pretty poor run of uh, run of form. I think they had one in, in six games. So uh, there I don't I hopefully they won't be um, they won't be dragged into a relegation battle because just a few weeks ago they were they were looking pretty solidly mid table. But 
yeah, it's a it's a massive it's a massive result for them, especially you know to be the first team to to take points from Roma, the first team from the bottom uh, bottom half of the table to take points from Roma. So yeah, definitely a big result, and it shows it shows how much of a how much of a good job Inzaghi's been doing. You know, building that sort of solidly defensive defensive side, even after Camille Click was sent off. So yeah, definitely credit to him. And hopefully they can they can sort of pick up form in the you know in the in the in the, in the games to come. Yeah, and as you said, um, Pippo Inzaghi doing a fine job at Benevento. Looks like they probably will stay up this season. And his brother, Simone, doing a great job as well. Um, as you mentioned, Francesco, Lazio, um, no side has picked up more points than them so far in 2021 in Syria. And they got a 1-0 win this weekend um, to maintain the pressure on those sides in the top four right now. Um they also gave last half an hour a bit of rest for Luis Alberto ahead of Champions League this week. Um, do you think Inzaghi is managing the squad pretty much perfectly right now and giving them the best possible chance that they have to upset Bayern Munich on Tuesday night? Yeah, I do. I think he is he's doing a brilliant job. Um, you could argue that he is, in terms of the, if you just think about the, the quality of the squads, He's probably the, getting the most out of his um, compared to other managers. And there's he, he's doing an excellent job with Lazio. I wouldn't say that they're one of the top four sides in Italy in terms of the quality of their players, based solely on their squad uh, strength. And and they have a real chance of getting into the Champions League again. And he's managed to get them through in the Champions League, so he's doing a brilliant job. I think they are the most dependent on their starting 11. I think unlike Gasperini and, and Conte and uh, even purely to a lesser extent and certainly the Juve as well, he has fewer options off the bench that can kind of change games for him. I think his starting 11 is really strong, but if those key players like Luis Alberto get, get injured, then uh, then it could be a problem for Lazio. So I think it's also smart for him to, to give those players a rest when he can. Um, you know, they've, like Catanata, they've got a really tough game in the week uh, and hopefully their, their Champions League run will continue. If it does continue, I think possibly we could see some some effects on their results in the league, some negative effects. Um, it's probably not a coincidence that they struggled a little bit in the league whilst they were um, you know, playing in the group stages of the Champions League and then they've had a really excellent winter where they, you know, statistically, they've basically been the best team in Serie A once Inzaghi had only the league to, to focus on. So we'll see if uh, if the Champions League run continues, if that affects their form in Serie A. Yeah, certainly an interesting week coming up for Lazio. And we'll, we'll touch on that later uh, with regards to their Champions League exploits. Uh, but I want to I touch on Sampdoria as well, who pushed them really hard this weekend and could well have got a draw, um, having had some sort of late opportunities, a couple of penalty shouts here and there as well. Um, they're currently in 10th, which I think is probably a bit better than most expected, given how much they struggled last season. How much credit does Ranieri deserve for the way he's turned things around over the last sort of 15 months, Raphael? Oh, definitely a lot of credit. I think even if there are some very talented players in that squad, like Marquagliarello, um, obviously he's got eight goals this season at the age of well, nearly 40, I think. Um like guys like um, not just that. Obviously, you've got veterans like Candreva. You've got 
you've got very talented young players like Damsgaard as well. You know, it's not a squad that's on the level of the likes of Spezia or Benevento. There is there is scope to to play decent football. And I think Ranieri's done that. He's done a very good job to bring that squad up to 10th place. You know, being in the top half of that that squad is not necessarily not necessarily unlikely, but it's 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 a very good job nonetheless. I think in you know considering how sort of inconsistent everyone's been in Serie A this season, I think Sam Dory have been some of the more more consistent teams or at least among the most consistent teams this season. And just in the way they play, not necessarily in terms of results, because obviously they have they have been they have been, you know, losing games by small margins like we saw at the weekend. But still nonetheless getting getting points and you know putting together a pretty respectable season, I would say. It's definitely a platform for next season if if Ranieri does stay on because there are, you know, even if the likes of Qualgarella and, and Candreva won't necessarily stay on for much longer. There is a good, a decent base in that squad to to build upon. I think the likes of having the likes of Keita and Damsgaard in attack potentially can do a lot of damage in the seasons to come. So it'll be interesting to see where this where the team goes on from here because it does seem like they're going to finish in a respectable mid table at the end of this season, but. Potentially, there is there is scope to to go even further. Yeah, they do seem to be back to sort of the level that they were at under Gianpaolo for those couple of seasons, and uh, and we'll see if they can possibly push on from there. Uh, but I now want to move towards the bottom end of the table, and big news coming out of Cagliari this weekend. It was confirmed on Monday. Uh, Eusebio Di Francesco has been sacked. Um, I think this was sort of inevitable, even though he was only given a new contract last month. They've been on a dismal run. Do you think, Francesco, that Cagliari were left with pretty much no choice um, after their 1-0 defeat against Torino on Friday night? I uh, I actually think it's a real shame that they, they've sacked him. Um, I know that Cagliari have been on a terrible run of results and... Um, I guess it did become inevitable, but but the fact that they backed him for so long and uh, it kind of felt like they were just going to back him all the way through the season, regardless of what happened, maybe even keep him on next season, even if they got relegated. And I felt like that's I feel like that's quite a healthy way to to run the club. I feel I feel like Di Francesco he he does try to to play the correct way when you watch uh, when you watch Kayani play. They I definitely get the impression that they they might even deserve more than what they're getting out of games. Um, but you know, having said that, they haven't. I think it's maybe thirteen games that they haven't won uh, four. And I, I was interested to see if uh, my impression was right that they should be earning more from their games. But I actually looked at the expected points table this season based on XG and things like that, and they're they're even worse off in that they're second last in that, not third last. And um, this game against Torino was such a big deal. If they had won, they would have come out of the relegation zone losing they're now five points adrift from safety so it does feel inevitable um you know that they they had to do something at Kayeli but but at the same time it is a bit of a shame that having backed him for so long they they eventually decided to to get rid yes yeah, uh 
I think a lot of people were really sort of hopeful that Callery could push up the table and maybe get a mid-table finish this year, but that certainly doesn't look the case right now. Um, in terms of the favourites to replace him, uh, it's not a done deal yet, although it could be by the time this podcast is released tomorrow. Uh, Leonardo Simplici, um, former Spal manager, uh, is favoured. Do you think he has the credentials to get them out of trouble, Raphael, or, or do you fear that it's, it is a bit too late? Oh, you never know because obviously there's always that new manager bounce that teams have when 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 someone new comes in and sort of sort of shakes things up a bit. But I think simply she does have the credentials. He's managed to he, he did manage to keep spell up, well, bring spell to Serie A in the first place and then keep them up for like two consecutive seasons before uh, before he was sacked. And you know, he, he was only sacked, I think he was sacked halfway through last season, so he didn't. He didn't necessarily oversee uh, a relegation, but yeah, I, th- I think anything anything is possible with Cagliari with the squad that they have. If if he can if he can find you know breathe new life into that squad and find a new way to to make the most of the talents that they do have, I think there is definitely potential for them to for them to stay up. I don't think it, I don't think anything's over yet. Yeah, as, as you say, they're five points adrift right now, but with a new manager bounce, they could perhaps reel some sides in above them. Uh, I now want to go through some of the other teams down there at the bottom. And we had a really interesting Sunday lunchtime game between Palmer and Udinese. Palmer stormed into a 2-0 lead, but Udinese pegged them back to get a 2 all draw in the end. It leaves Palmer six points adrift of safety and their winless run goes on. But Francesco, did you see enough from them in the game that perhaps there should be a bit of hope that they can get out of that bottom three come the end of the season? Um, I think they were good for an hour. They looked, they did look, uh, you know, it started to look like the new manager unless was having, having an effect and they, they played well. And um, when when Uineza scored, uh, when Okaka scored, you know, in the 64th minute, actually, up until that point, it looked like it was more likely that Parma would get a third. So they, they played well. Um, and it does look like they still have a bit of fight in them. But I do think, like, I do think that this was a really significant result in the end for them. The fact that they weren't able to pull out a win, having been two goals up. And also with Torino winning, they're now six points away from safety. I think it's difficult to see them making up that deficit from here to the end of the season um so yeah i you know I, they they have shown a little bit of form and they played quite well but the fact that they weren't able to hold on that onto that league i think yeah i think they're going to go down i think it's going to be difficult for them yeah it did seem like a significant result uh given that they went, as you said they looked really good for an hour and it seemed what you know why are they in this amount of trouble but we saw in the last half an hour exactly where they are in that trouble. Um, <clears throat> as for another side who've, you know, been hovering just above relegation in the last couple of weeks, and that's Fiorentina, but they put in an excellent second half to beat Spezia 3-0 on Friday. Um, Raphael, simple question. Why can't they play like this consistently? Yeah, just want to say, uh, it's just just been made official that Semplici is the new Cagliari manager. So there, you, there you have it. But um, yeah, no, going to go back to Fiorentina, I think it's it's an interesting one because 
I think, yeah, the central player in that win was Vlaovic, who, in my opinion, has been pretty much the leading light in the Fiorentina season. I think he's on nine goals now, but he's, he was involved in all of the goals for that win. And it's a, it's an interesting one because we when we I mean we saw in that game that when all the players are on song, when there is some sort of sort of coherent idea behind the play, then they can they can they can get I mean they can tear teams apart basically. And um, even if I think Spezia were in a position where they were they were still I guess recovering from all of the efforts that they did make to to get that win against Milan. I think Spezia, Spezia have been very inconsistent this season. You know, even if they have been punching above their weight, they have had a lot of heavy defeats. They've not necessarily been able to follow up on these these impressive wins that they have that have carved out. And yeah, I think this was a, a relatively predictable result that doesn't necessarily say much about about Fiorentina in the sense that. It wasn't necessarily an easy opponent, but it was an opponent which was still recovering from a from a massive effort against Milan. So I don't think I don't think I don't, yeah obviously I don't think either of those teams is uh, is safe from relegation just yet. I mean Fiorentina haven't they do have to show that you know this sort of this this these new tactics can work against against the. Uh, Against bigger teams, basically, um, you know they have Fiorentina have got these one-off wins across the season, which they haven't been able to follow up on either. I think the biggest example was the one against Juventus when we thought that they were back, but that that just didn't materialise. So I, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see if um, you know if Prandelli can get Vlahovic even more involved than he has been. Because I, I, he is going to be, you know, if they if they do have a have a bounce going into the uh, into the running, I think it will be dependent on him, you know, being as involved as possible in their play. I think Castrovilli did well when he came on as well, so it'll be interesting to see if he can if he can be reintegrated back into the starting eleven. Yeah, I think. Uh... With regards to Spezia, perhaps a bit of a reality check for them after their great win against Milan. But for now, still nine points above the relegation zone. So looking fairly comfortable with regards to survival for them. Uh, and another team who were down there, but are now right up in mid-table at Genoa, who twice came from behind to snatch a late draw to all against Hellas Verona. Francesco, do you think this was sort of a good indication of where both teams are at at the moment? Perhaps Verona not quite as resolute as we saw them in the first half of the season and Genoa just a side that refuses to be beaten right now? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, Genoa had a brilliant time kind of since Christmas. I think before Christmas they were more or less level with Clotorne. They were second last and since Baradini's taken over they've been brilliant. I think if... Uh, you know, mentioning what what some of the teams have done since the turn of the year. If if the league had started, if the league, if you just take into account the points from twenty twenty one, they'd actually be sixth. Genoa. That's how good they've been. And um, I think with Verona, yeah, it's probably true that they're not quite as good as they were earlier on in the season, but they were pretty close to winning this game. And I think what's difficult for them and for Juric is is staying motivated now because. They're in a situation where basically they're safe 
Um, but they're six points off Napoli in seventh. So it's difficult for to think that they, I mean, there's a chance they could get back into Europe, but I think it's unlikely. And so they're in this kind of no man's land, no man's land. So it's trying to stay positive and stay focused right until the end of the season um, to, to so they just doesn't just peter out. With Genoa, I feel like for their season, even though now I think they're probably safe as well, they still, it feels like a much more positive time for them. And um, I suppose with them, what's interesting now is they're only four points back from Samp. I think earlier on in the season, it would have been crazy for them to think that they would finish above Samp. But now that is, uh, they've got a real chance of doing that. So they've still got things to play for. And uh, yeah, like what I've already said, Ballardini's done an amazing job. And the fact that they are so seemingly so safe, they're 11 points uh, above the relegation zone now, uh, considering what they were in December is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, an amazing turnaround from them over the last six, seven weeks or so. Um, and as you said, Verona, perhaps a little bit of danger of their season petering out. And, and perhaps the same could be say, said of Sassuolo, who drew one all with Bologna, despite having a man advantage for an hour this weekend. Um, De Serbi actually sort of bemoaned the fact that they had the extra man, saying it made it more difficult to break down Bologna as the game went on. Raphael, do you feel that they can refine that spark in the coming weeks or, or do you worry that perhaps their season will peter out and they'll maybe drop down to mid-table or, or just inside the bottom half even? Yeah, I think they'll probably just peter out into mid-table. Like they have they have lost that spark, but at the same time, you know, the conditions haven't really been favorable to Tsurbi. He has had to make a lot of a lot of changes to his um to his to his ideal starting eleven, um, you know, particularly with that midfield, I think he's, um, you know, originally at the start of the season he was using that midfield pivot of Locatelli and, and Lopez, which was, which for me was probably the best midfield of the of the first half of the season. But he's only, he hasn't been able to do that because because of injuries and um, and whatnot, and he's had to make arrangements. Um, I think. Yeah, Obviously, in the uh, at the weekend, he had to use Lopez as a sort of advanced playmaker, which isn't really his position, and that that made for probably a bit more of a, of a disjointed performance. So, I think part of part of their sort of downfall is that they haven't they haven't been able to you know to be at their full complement. But obviously, I think Bologna do deserve the credit for for holding on, you know. Bologna, you don't necessarily associate them with defensively solid. So to say that they are to, you know, for the Derby to say that they were difficult to break down was just probably a big compliment to, you know, the progress that Mihailovic has done with this team. You know, we we all know about Bologna's attacking talents, the likes of Soriano, Mbaro, Mussolini. But the fact that they were able to carve out a point from that from that position was just quite impressive nonetheless. And I think it's, you know, it says more about the, the match said more about Bologna and their relative improvements than it did about Sassuolo, who do, who do seem to just be sort of stuttering along. Yeah, they do seem to have hit a, hit a bit of a wall at the moment, Sassuolo, and can't seem to get back that form uh, that they had, particularly at, at the back end of 2020. And so for this 
next section, I'd like to now focus on the Champions League games coming up. And we've got a couple of crackers involving Serie A sides this week. Uh, and we're joined by guests at this point uh, from Get German Football News and also uh, Bundesliga Diaries podcast. We've got uh, John Radcliffe. A warm welcome to you, John. Um, and of course, you know plenty about Bayern Munich. They're, they're travelling uh, to play Lazio on Tuesday night. They haven't won either of their last two. Lost on the weekend, uh, a little surprisingly, to Eintracht Frankfurt. What do you put their recent sort of struggles down to? Cheers, guys. Um, first and foremost, for, for having me on. Um, yeah, so Bayern facing Lazio um, this week in the Champions League. As you said, um, lost to Frankfurt at the weekend and then also drew with Arminia Bielefeld um, last Monday, who... Are yeah sixteenth in the table in the Bundesliga and have struggled really um, throughout the season. So, not the best recent form for Bayern. Um, wasn't a bit, it wasn't a great week for them really at all um, last week. You know, Andrew Pavard um, contracted coronavirus, so he uh, was out of the game at the weekend and therefore will miss the Champions League game. Obviously, Thomas Muller still unavailable as well. Um, an injury to Tolisso keeping him out for the rest of the season is another thing for them to kind of deal with. So I think, you know, in terms of the problems um, that they're having, for me, their squad really isn't ready to kind of deal with another season of, um, yeah, trying to win three trophies. We're already out of the cup. Um, and, you know, if you look at the players that they signed, Bunasar from Marseille hasn't really done much. Rocker from... Um, Espanol, I believe, um, also hasn't been great. Super Motting, not great either. And when you take out, you know, a couple of important players from Bayern's team, there is a little bit... Um, they're found wanting a little bit in terms of uh, being able to, to keep up to the high-level performance they have or they had last season and they've had it parts of this season as well. Yeah, and of course, last season, as you said, they were they were formidable, winning pretty much everything. Of course, they only won the Club World Cup a couple of weeks ago, but it does seem to have tailed off a little bit since then. But we saw with PSG, they've had their struggles in the league this season, but then really turned it on against Barcelona last week. Do you think maybe Bayern have been saving themselves a little bit for the Champions League and, and could turn in a really strong performance on Tuesday? I mean, more than, more than possible, you know, the main thing with Bayern is overall the mentality. Um, it's just a team full of winners and, you know, they tend to show that an awful lot. I haven't seen a lot of Lazio, to be honest, so um, I don't really know what to what to expect from them, but at least following the results, um, how they've been getting on in Serie A and that kind of thing, um, looks like they've recovered from the poor start of the season. So... I think there's plenty of, certainly, you know, players like Immobile um, and Luis Alberto in particular caused by problems. You know, I, I don't, um, I, I don't worry about that really from that perspective, but I do think that Bayern, when their backs are really against the wall, they will come out fighting and, and just have too much, I think, um, unfortunately for Lazio. Yeah, Bayern certainly, despite their struggles in the last couple of games, enter this as big favourites. Um, do you expect them to get it done in the first leg pretty much? Or, or can you see Lazio in, in the home tie picking up a result and Bayern having to, you know, really, really push back in the second leg? I think it'll definitely still be in play in the second leg, to be honest. I don't think it'll be simple enough for 
for Bayern to just kind of swat Lazio away um, in one match and then kind of be able to rest players or whatever, kind of take the foot off the gas for the second game. You know, they aren't in top form at the moment. Um, and whilst they are still top of the Bundesliga and they have, you know, picked up points throughout the season regularly, they have they've struggled in games. There was a run where they were they went behind in nine games in a row in the Bundesliga um, against lesser teams than Lazio, and you know they lost to Gladbach earlier this year as well, twenty twenty one. The draw against Bielefeld was a shock, as we said, and then to lose to Frankfurt, who are in good form. Don't get me wrong, but still a team that Bayern would be hoping to beat. So I think that they're not really hammering teams, any team. So I don't think they'll hammer a team like Lazio, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think across the two legs, it's, I think it's always a thing in the Champions League. It's hard to, to really beat a team of Bayern's quality over two matches in one leg. I think, you know, there'd be a bigger, bigger debate, perhaps like it was last season, you know, with Corona and that kind of shootout um, in August, we might be uh, talking about something else, but over two legs, it's, Tabayan are just a difficult team to beat, really. Yeah, of course, Lazio are in the same group as Borussia Dortmund um, and they did very well against them. So we'll see if they can claim another Bundesliga scout this week. It's certainly going to be an interesting one. Thanks a lot for coming on, John. I'm, I'm sure we'll catch you again soon, perhaps ahead of the return leg, uh, if it's all still to play for. Um, I'd now like to move on to the second uh intriguing tie which is on Wednesday night and that's Atalanta against Real Madrid um, we've got someone who's been a regular on the podcast in Tom Serra also knows his La Liga stuff and so he's going to talk about Real Madrid for us so what, what can we expect from Real this week Tom? Well I don't think there has been a better time to play Real Madrid in the last decade. Real Madrid have had an awful start to the season, but have slowly started improving and closing the gap behind Atleti. They had won the last four games in the league, and before that, they actually lost to a Levante side who played Atleti uh, in the past uh, week, uh, drawing once, and then uh, Levante actually beat uh, Atleti 2-0 on the weekend. Real Madrid overcame Valladolid last Saturday with a 1-0 win. Maybe we should be expecting something more from Real Madrid against the side that is battling relegation. But they were the dominant side in that particular game, so we cannot really criticise them in that regard. On the other hand, as we have mentioned, Atlanta won 4-2 against Napoli last weekend, so they should be full of confidence to take on Real. However, as we have seen over the last few weeks, and just the whole season really, Atalanta can be very inconsistent. So it will be interesting to see whether Atalanta's offensive tactics will work against a Real Madrid side that have been clearly lacking captain Sergio Ramos at the back, or will they just catastrophically collapse like we have seen so many occasions this season? Uh, we are so used to seeing Real Madrid have a star player that stands out, whether it was Raul or Ronaldo, but with the absence of Ramos, there seems to be no direction in this side. So I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta are able to uh, come away from Wednesday's match with a shock win. And uh, of course, Real Madrid have so many injuries coming into this game with Benzema out and Sergio Ramos and, and Marcelo, all, all these players missing out. So Rafael, I want to I get your opinion. Is, is this a great time for Atalanta to be playing Real? And if they are going to beat a European giant, is this the time to do it? Definitely. I think like Atalanta 
while they're not the favourites, there's definitely a big chance to to claim that scalp. I think this is the business end of the season. It's when Atalanta, you know, come into their own. And even if even if they have lost Papa Gomez, you know, they they still have more than enough quality to to set aside Real Madrid and Real Madrid. You know, we've seen in Europe they haven't been up to uh, up to the the right standard, at least the standard they've been setting. And for the last decade, you know, we saw they lost to Shakhtar in the group stages, for example. You know, if you couple that with the injuries that they've got, they are definitely there for the taking. And I think, you know, anything anything can happen in the in the Champions League, and especially with Atalanta, who seem to just step up to the big occasion. So. Uh, whilst they're not outright favourites, I think yeah, Atalanta definitely have a massive chance to to go through. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with you to be honest. And as we said, that Real Madrid have got a lot of injuries right now. Francesco, do you think if Atalanta are going to do it, they need to build a big advantage in this first leg, given that Real probably will be a fair bit stronger when the teams play again a couple of weeks down the line. Uh. I don't necessarily think so. I think even against a full-strength Real side, or certainly this year's full-strength Real side, Atalanta would have a chance. Uh, you know, I agree with Rafael that I don't think they're favourites, but Atalanta are a solid side, and even against the better teams in Europe, you would give them a chance. So even if Real do get players back for the second leg, as long as Atalanta are still in the running, I feel that they, that they do have a chance. And I think... For both Lazio and Atalanta, it is a good time to play these sides. Um, the difference between Lazio's and Atalanta's chances are, for me, is that whilst Bayern might not be the team that we saw winning the Champions League at the end of last season, they probably still have a little bit too much for Lazio. Whereas I'm not sure that this Real team has too much for Atalanta. I think if Atalanta really turn up and play as well as they've been playing in the league, then they could make a real game of it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if either side is going to pull off the upset, it, it probably is more likely to be Atalanta. Uh, but those are two cracking ties and really looking forward to seeing how they play out. And of course, moving on to Thursday, we then have the Europa League. Um, a couple of ties intriguingly poised. Granada, of course, beat Napoli 2-0 last week. Raphael, can Napoli turn it round or, or do you have your doubts and, and think that they're going to go out at this stage? It's hard to see them turning it around, to be honest. Um, yeah, they obviously they haven't been in great form, and they're still going to have the same injuries as you know the injury issues that they have had over the past week, past past week or so. Um, especially, we don't know about what what, um, what Osimhen's condition is like just yet, but it doesn't look like he's going to be playing that game. Um, he, he got discharged from hospital this this morning, so he was um, he was in a bad state after the after after last night's game. So it's gonna they're gonna have to rotate and it's gonna be you know, and bearing in mind that they're gonna play three days later as well. It's gonna be quite a difficult ask to to go and get a result. Well, let alone a, let alone a, what's gonna a three nil win that they'll need to to go through. So yeah, I'm quite I'm quite pessimistic about Napoli's chances. I think to be fair, for their for their sake it's probably best if they do, you know, get rid of the European competition as a sort of distraction and focus on getting that top four. 
Yeah, it, it, it will be an, an in, a tricky one for them to try and turn around this week, but we'll see if they can do it. You know, Napoli have surprised us a few times this season, so perhaps they will do so again. Meanwhile, Milan, this is perhaps their best chance of silverware now, given how the league has fallen a little astray for them in recent weeks. Um, they drew two all last week in Serbia. C can they come through and get the result, do you think, Francesco? Or are you slightly worried that their drop in form could continue and, and see them crash out? Uh, I, th I think they, they can win. I think they should win. I think they're better than... Um then uh, Stankovic's team, it's Red Star, isn't it? Yeah, 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 Red so, Star. Yeah, so I think they're better than Red Star. Um, and, you know, they, they should have won the first match. Uh, you know, again, Red Star were down to 10 men, uh, an equaliser in the last few seconds. So it's disappointing they didn't manage to do that. But unlike Napoli, you know, they haven't got a comeback from a deficit. They've scored a couple of goals away from home. And um, I think they are a better side than, than Red Star. So as long as they play okay, I think they should be all right. The other thing to, that I would add is this is also a good chance for them to get into the Champions League next season. I think is you know with what is happening in the league, it's not a guarantee that they they will stay in the top four. So for them and for Napoli, I think having a chance to uh, you know be staying in the Europa League can be a big deal. It's a competition that both of these sides realistically could win. Um, I don't think there are any teams left in the competition that they couldn't beat on their day. So for both of those sides, I think it's important that they try and, and stay in the competition. And I think whilst Napoli haven't got a great chance, um, they do have a chance. You know, this season they've scored, there have been several occasions when they've scored six goals in a game. I think they've done that five times. There have been occasions when they've scored four goals in a game. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I know they're not in great form, but I do think they need to try and overturn that deficit. And for Milan, you know, this is a game that they should be winning. They, they have an advantage because they have those two away goals. And I think they are more than capable of beating Red Star. And a win could help them start to build some momentum again going into their league fixtures. Of course, they've got Roma coming up this weekend in what promises to be a, a fascinating game. I think that's the game of the weekend coming up. Um, with regards to Roma, they beat Braga 2-0. They were the most impressive of the Serie A sides in the Europa League last week. Rafael, do you expect them to see that through fairly comfortably or could there still be a twist in that tie? Because, you know, Braga are a pretty decent side on their day. Yeah, I would expect Roma to go through. I mean, they've got two away goals. Um, you know, they didn't. Braga are a good side, but it doesn't really seem like they were they were troubling too much in that tie. I think. You know, I think the fact you know Fonseca has managed in Portugal, he knows how to how to manage against these against these sides. And, you know, Roma will be probably looking to rotate anyway ahead of them. Um, Ahead of the the match against Milan next next uh, next Sunday, so you know there is potential maybe a slip up if uh, if he does rotate a, a bit too much, but yeah, it's it's hard to see it's hard to see the result going any other way. I think they'll I think they'll comfortably go through. Yeah, well, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think I'm going to be glued to the telly watching numerous European games. So. Uh... We'll see how they all pan out and then reflect on them next week, of course. Um, so thank you very much for joining me, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Goodbye.